to the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Dorothy Day, the Roman Catholic prophet who founded the Catholic Worker Movement and was repeatedly imprisoned for her anti-war protests, often quoted Fyodor Dostoevsky's character in the Brothers Karamazov, who said, love in action is a harsh and dreadful thing compared to love in dreams. Dostoevsky was speaking of human love and the dream of loving one's neighbor, serving the poor, walking the way of the cross in the service of humanity. As you know, Dostoevsky could be brutally honest about matters of the heart. In my dreams, his character says, I often make plans for the service of humanity, and perhaps I might actually face crucifixion if it were suddenly necessary. Yet I am incapable of living in the same room with anyone for two days in a row. <laughs> I become hostile to people the moment they get too close to me. But it has always happened that the more I hate individual people, the more I love humanity in general. <laughs> so love in action is a harsh and dreadful thing compared with love in dreams. As I thought about our gospel lesson for today, I wondered if Dostoevsky and Dorothy Day might make the same kind of comment about God's love for us, might describe God's love in action as a harsh and dreadful thing, or at least that we might experience it that way at times. This passage brings good news and bad news. Jesus pronounces a blessing for those who are poor. God's reign belongs to them. This is not about poverty of spirit. This is material poverty. You who are poor, you who are hungry now, you will be filled. You will have more than enough. You will be satisfied. You who are weeping now are going to laugh later. It's the only time this word for laugh is used in the New Testament. It has the idea of triumphing over enemies. And blessed are you, says Jesus, when people hate you and revile you and exclude you and cast out your name as something evil because of your commitment to the Son of Man, to me, he says. Rejoice! Leap for joy! You're in good company. That's what their ancestors did to the prophets. Well, there's nothing harsh and dreadful about that form of God's love towards the poor, those who have had it rough and been unfairly treated and have had to do without will suddenly have it good. They will be vindicated by God's blessing. They will be recognized as the prophets they are, as those who told the truth about God, as Job did. But what about the rest of us? Woe to you who are rich, says Jesus. You've already received your consolation, your comfort, your good things. This is echoed later in Luke's Gospel in the parable of the rich man and poor Lazarus. 
who experience a reversal of fortunes after death. See Luke 16 for details. There's also an echo here of Isaiah 5:8, part of the song of the vineyard, the vineyard that God allows to be destroyed. Woe to you who join house to house and field to field until there is room for no one but you and you are left to live alone in the midst of the land. It's hard to hear that without thinking of the way that the poor are consistently displaced by, the, by urban development. There are now beautiful new apartments, but the rents are so high that, that too high for the people who used to live there. Those who are full now will be hungry then. Those who are laughing now will mourn and weep then. And worry, says Jesus, worry a lot when all people speak well of you, for that's exactly what their ancestors did to the false prophets. When God's love functions to cut away the things that make it hard for us to hear the good news of the kingdom, it can feel like a harsh and dreadful love. It's not unlike the peace of God. Not only does it pass all understanding, but as the hymn says, the peace of God, it is no peace, but strife closed in the sod. It is not peace as the world gives that Jesus promises his disciples, but a different kind of peace. In the same way, the love of God can sometimes feel more like a scalpel than a hug more like pruning shears than like fertilizer. So the name it and claim it prosperity gospel is clearly called into question by passages like this one. That's easy. But it can be tricky to get this right. As Psalm 62 says, even those of low estate cannot be trusted. Poverty can corrupt the human spirit as much as wealth can. And if I'm so obnoxious that everybody hates me and excludes me, that does not guarantee that I'm a prophet. <laughs> Still, this passage haunts the church for good reason. It forces us to think hard about what success looks like for a Christian and about how a vocation might differ from a career. It causes us to wonder what aspects of our lives might be targets for God's kind proving shears, what might come under God's loving scalpel. We need not to dream about God's love any more than we dream about our own love for humanity. Instead, we are called to a kind of wakefulness and self-awareness as we consider the possibility of God's harsh and dreadful and gracious love. <laughs>